Welcome to Postpartum Empowerment, where our goal is to equip you in your journey to mental wellness through your pregnancy and postpartum season. I'm your host, Samantha Newman, and while I have a passion for this topic, I want to note that I'm not a substitute for medical and psychological care. I'm just a mama who has been where you are now and have a passion for sharing hope and encouragement where I can. Today, I'm thrilled to have my new friend Rhonda Stoppy here. Rhonda Stoppy has appeared many times on Focus on the Family, Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk, and Family Life Today. She is an international Christian speaker and author of six books, including The Marriage Mentor, Real Life Romance, and Moms Raising Sons to be Men. Rhonda helps women break free from regrets and helps them become more influential than they ever dreamed possible to live life with no regrets. You can find her at noregretswoman.com. Rhonda, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I feel like I took a vacation and came all the way across the ocean to see you. (laughs) Yes, we do live across the ocean from each other. Um, So if you want to just start out, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you become come to be known as the no regrets woman. My passion is to help women break free from regrets that hold them back because they get stuck there. They think God can't use me. Uh, If those people at church knew, and you know, today we're talking about postpartum and all the imbalances that go with our hormonal imbalances. And we struggle silently and secretly because we think if people knew the real me, they would never let me teach the Sunday school class that I teach or work in the nursery or whatever that thing is. Um, And also to help women uh, build a life of no regrets. Uh, Jesus is the perfect teacher who said, there's a wise man who built his house upon the rock and a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Mm. And when the waves came and the rains came, The man who built his house on the rock had no regrets. His house stood strong. The one who built his life on that beautiful beach because it had the best view and it was really romantic and super (laughs) nice to put up a quick little cottage right there on the beach. Everything came crashing down when the pressures of life came because they didn't build on the foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ, of knowing and loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then that spilling out of us is our love for others. So the example of building a no regrets life begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. I know who I would be without mm. him. I know the marriage I would have destroyed. I know the children I would have ruined. Uh, I know the, the type of friend I would have been, and I would have been so self-absorbed. And so I still struggle, struggle with being self-absorbed, even with Jesus, Don't we all? <laughs> it's, like, it's still my, my go-to, right. But I also know that anyone who wants to build a life without regrets, there's a way there's a path. And my, my passion, my zeal, my, my, uh, purpose is to help women get there. Mm, that is so powerful and so needed in this world. Um, cause I think I was just listening to someone talk about how, um, you know, we can live focused on the past to escape the present a lot of the time. And so it's really important that we are able to move forward and not live with regret mm-hmm. the way you're saying. Um, so what was your personal experience with postpartum? Uh, my personal experience with postpartum. Okay. You want my whole, you want the long version? Cause yes. <laughs> I got it. Let's hear it. Let's hear <laughs> okay. it. So first of all, I have a book out called real life romance. Let's start okay. there. It is a collection. I'm going to show it to you. I'm shamelessly going to push this book. This is 
uh, like a chicken soup for the soul oh, romance. Each individual story stands alone. The love stories are so, so sweet. And mine and Steve's is the first love story in the mm-hmm. book. And I also got to put the love stories of my four adult children in the back of the book, which just blesses me so beyond cool. all measure. And you can go to my website, noregretswoman.com and actually watch a number of those couples telling their love story on my YouTube channel. And it's on my website and Steve and I tell our love story. So we fell in love. Steve's my high school sweetheart. And I didn't meet him till he came home from, from Bible college. So he's a lot older than I am. And we were friends. Our families were friends. And uh, in the interview, we talk about when did we start dating? And we're like, we're not even sure because we just spent so much time together. And he actually, at one point he was dating women and I was like this teenage cheerleader and I was at an alumni game where he was playing for his high school and I saw him walk in with a woman on his arm and I was like you know flat chested Rhonda across my chest (laughs) ponytail no actually I think I had big hair it was the 70s yeah as a cheerleader which is just so 70s and I remember thinking oh he'll never notice me and so our our love story is super fun fell in love got married and it was wonderful And we lived in the San Francisco Bay area and we couldn't afford to buy a house right off the bat. Steve was in construction and I was working in corporate America, but we found a little fixer upper that he fixed it up and we moved into a one bedroom little house. I think it was maybe 700 square feet. It was very small, very charming. And then we thought, oh, the values have gone up. Let's sell it and buy another. And let's, so we started flipping houses and living in those houses as we flipped them. And (laughs) (laughs) back then this was in the eighties. People would have, people thought we were crazy. And now we would have had a show, but back then people were like, why do you do what you do? But Steve's goal was to always be debt-free and to live in the country. And I was like, yeah, baby, that sounds great. Your dream is my dream. Let's do it. Credit card, charge it, you know, go (laughs) with my life. And one day he comes to me and says, I found a ranch and come look at it. And so it was about an hour and a half from where we lived. He had been looking at places. I'm from California. He had been looking from places in Colorado and out of state and my family, my friends, my people were here. And I was just like, okay, California is still, I can do that. So we drove up this Canyon road to look at this house and it was snowing that day. Very rare that it snowed in that area. And we get, we pull up to this little cottage covered with frosting. It was snow all over. It's super cute. And I could see Steve's just, you know, the stars in his eyes. And I knew if I said, no, we wouldn't do it. I knew I was holding my husband's dream in my hand. And I knew that if I said, no, we wouldn't go. And so I said, okay, let's do it. So we sold our house in the Bay area, sold immediately. And we went back up to look at this house when it closed escrow, the snow had melted. We bought a shack. It was horrible. (laughs) It was not cute (laughs) at all. And I was crying and Steve was laughing and we, I didn't realize this, but it had no power. I figured you just call the power company and they plug you in. Uh, Not so much. Two and a half years. We lived almost three years on a generator because we had to wait for them in the mountains they brought the power poles and the stuff in with with telephone poles with helicopters and it was crazy wow so we lived in this one bedroom house we had two kids at the time and steve and i took the sofa bed in the living room as our bedroom so the kids could have the only bedroom in the house and as we didn't have power we didn't have the generator on late at night so we did other things and surprise pregnancy with my third child oh my goodness (laughs) 
And I don't know about you, but I know when I'm pregnant, like I know my body tells me, mm-hmm, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, I do. And I, and, and we, we were trying not to get pregnant because <laughs> I didn't want to live in the middle of nowhere and have a baby in the middle of nowhere right. and on a generator and on a sofa bed. And, uh, and I'm like, you don't understand I'm pregnant. And he's like, you're not, do you know how many people hold their breath, stand on their head, try it? You're not pregnant. I'm like, no, I know. So the weeks kind of went by and I burp a pregnant burp. Like it's this <laughs> nauseous. Are you yes, with me? You know I know what exactly what you I mean. That burp. And when I burp that burp, I know that I know <laughs> that I'm pregnant. So I, he came home from work. Now, now imagine he's going to work every day. He's leaving at five in the morning and coming home at seven at night and then working on our house to add on to our wow. house at night and on the weekends. And I'm home alone with my kids on a generator living in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and he comes home and I said, I know I'm pregnant. I had, I, bur- I burped the burp. He goes, it's all in your head. So he brought a, a little kit home, woke me at five in the morning before he went to work to have me pee on the stick. Cause he's going to prove me wrong. And I went and got back in the sofa bed and he walks out with his little stick and he goes, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> back to the city and so did the entire pregnancy for with on that sofa bed steve was building the master bedroom onto this little house as fast as he could so we at least hopefully by the time she came home from the hospital would have a bedroom he didn't finish in time we brought her home to a bassinet in the living room next to where we slept and um i remember in the hospital something was different than with my other two Mm. my hormones were different I was overwhelmed and Steve brought Meredith who was six and Brandon, who was two to the hospital to see me and the baby. And Brandon was jumping on the bed, you know, I want to see the baby, I want to see the baby. And I became so overwhelmed with anxiety mm-hmm. that I can't do this. I, I, I can't, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember him saying, you can do it. You're, it's going to be fine. And he took the kids and went home and I was fearful. Like this is, you know, and I thought it was just because of the whole living situation and all of that. So we get home back then, this was in 1990. Um, men got the weekend off. If their wife had a baby, you didn't get the whole paternity leave that they have now. So he went back to work and I was like, please don't go. (laughs) He's like, you're going to be fine. And I wasn't fine. Mm. And I was overwhelmed and I was in a fog and I was emotional And I remember um, my six-year-old would go to school and she, her name's Meredith. She would come home from school about three o'clock in the afternoon and I would hand her the baby and I would turn on Little Mermaid for the one millionth time for Brandon. And I would go in the only bedroom in the house, they had a bunk bed and I would lay on the bottom bunk and I would weep Mm -hmm. and I would put a chair in front of the door so that Brandon couldn't get in because I didn't want him to see me crying. And I remember the day that Steve came home early and he walked in and I heard the panic in his voice. He's like, where's your mother? And Meredith was like, she's in the bedroom. And he came in, he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, I can't do this. I just that overwhelmed feeling. And, and I didn't know that at the time it was postpartum. I just knew I, I was overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so many of my listeners are going to relate to that because Um, that's exactly how I felt too, especially after my first, just completely overwhelmed. And then that puts you in almost a frozen 
spot where you're panicky and you just can't even figure out where to, how to move forward with all these kids around and oh my goodness. Yeah. So how did postpartum affect yeah. your marriage? Well, so Steve comes in, he's like, and now the man's known me since I was 14. Right. Mm-hmm. So he knows me well. And he's like, I don't know who you are. I'm like, I don't know who mm-hmm. I am. And he said, what can I do to fix this? And I said, let me go to work. You stay home. You build the house. You take care of the kids. Just let me go back to work. That, that's what I need to do is I need to go back to work. And he said, you can't make enough money to support all of this. I'm like, I literally grabbed him. I'm like, let me try. <laughs> Cause I thought if I went back to work, I there's, there's, I don't know, there's clarity. You get up, you go, you sit at a desk, you do this, you do that. Someone thanks you for what you did for them or not. Um, but you're just not drowning and wiping booties and bums and boogers all day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the same song, second verse, a little bit louder, a little bit worse. I'm doing it again. I don't even know what day, one day it runs into the next. So I, I just remember his concern and he's a very kind man, very compassionate, but he just didn't know what to do for me. Mm. And so what I kind of did was just tried to pull back and just, uh, he got our bedroom done as fast as he could. And the master bedroom closet that was going to be a master room closet became Kayla's bedroom. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had enough, a little bit of a space for all of us to not be right on top of each other a little bit, yeah. but there was just a distance that, that was between us because he couldn't relate to what I was going through. He just wanted me to be better and he didn't know. And so I went to the doctor and I said, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know what's wrong with me. And she was not super helpful. She said, you're, I was 29. She said, well, you know, when you get to be older, it's hard, you know, postpartum is more of a problem and you just need to take it easy and eliminate all the stress in your life and just do as little as you can. (laughs) You kidding me? I live on a generator. I live 45 minutes from town. I can't even have my mom come over and help me. I'm hanging up teeny tiny socks with clothespins because I can't run the dryer with the generator. <laughs> yep. How am I going to eliminate my stress? Right. <laughs> Not real helpful. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only person that has gone through this, but I remember feeling like I was and no one talked about yes. it. And nobody, you know, in Christian community, because it affects the way you view life, mm-hmm. it affects the way you respond in an unkind or uh, anxious or snappy or weepy manner, you know, you shouldn't do that. I remember just feeling alone and like embarrassed that I couldn't tell anybody and I remember trying to bring it up with, with older women, because I'm a firm believer in godly mentors. And I talk a lot about uh, when I knew I wasn't the wife I had hoped I would be when I was a young wife, I looked around at women in my church that their husbands still really liked them. And I'm like, can I hang out with you? Cause I, I need to know what you know, because <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know it. And I come from a long line of divorces in my family. And the very thing that I knew I didn't want to become, I was becoming, and this was even before postpartum. You know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And what we think on good, right, honorable, praiseworthy, think on these things and the God of peace that surpasses all understanding will rule in your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But if we're even focusing on what we don't want to be, maybe from an example of our, of our youth, from our parents or from our childhood, we're still thinking on it. Mm. So we're still becoming what we're dwelling on, even though we're thinking, I don't want to be 
bitter or resentful like that person in my life, I'm still focusing on what I don't. It's like, don't think about the pink elephant in the room. What are we all thinking about right right now? (laughs) That's such good insight. So I, yeah. So the, so to pull yourself up by your bootstraps to not be like the person that you don't want to be like, isn't going to help. It's only God who works in us to will and to work for his good pleasure. And so these women that I reached out to, they were real, they were genuine. They, they were honest about what their areas of struggle had been in their life. And I remember I was still driving uh, an hour and 20 minutes over a mountain to the church that we had attended in the Bay area on Tuesdays for women's Bible study. Cause I loved these women. It was a preset study. And I just, they were my lifeline. I didn't want to not have that. Mm-hmm. And I would throw up because the road was like windy, windy. And I was car sick and I was morning sickness. And I remember one, one, uh, Bible study, I was telling this friend of mine, Gail, that I was pregnant and she gave me a hug and she said, I'm sorry. (laughs) And again, I would have loved to have had another baby living in the Bay area in my beautiful house that we had just sold. It was in the middle of nowhere with no support and on a generator and you know, the whole story. So we were studying uh, the book of judges. And I remember we talked about Gideon's story and in this group of women, they were talking about the fleece and the water and, you know, and so one of the women said, if I knew something that exactly what God wanted me to do, the way that, that uh, Gideon knew because God showed him that fleece, I would do it without question. And I was sitting here like this and I'm like, uh, here's my fleece. I know, I know that I know he wants me to do this, but I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it was just a, a, a long, hard season. I had one friend that lived up behind our gate on another ranch and, um, she would pick up my oldest daughter and take her to school for me. We, we, she went to one of the last one room schoolhouses in the nation, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So my friend Bridget would pick up Meredith and take her to school and bring her back home, which that was, you know, cause you got the two-year-old down for a nap, but you got to get everybody up and all that. Yeah. So, but literally when Meredith would walk in the door, I would put the baby in her arms. She was six, six and a half years old. And she was very responsible firstborn girl. You know how that yeah. is, but I regret that. And I've asked her to forgive me. And Meredith's like, mom, I don't remember. I'm like, <laughs> it's like that scene in star Wars where the guy goes like that. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and Meredith and her little sister, Kayla have the best bond. And in fact, I stopped nursing Kayla after two months. I got what I didn't know it was a, um, she had thrush. So I got a um, yeast infection Mm. on my breast and it was just so painful Mm. to nurse her. And then it spread to both sides and it was just so painful. So I didn't know that thrush would do that, which if you don't know that the medicine they put on the baby's mouth for thrush, they should have told me to put it on my breasts too, to kill that bacteria or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Anyway, so I ended up stopping nursing abruptly and giving her a bottle, which I felt guilty about that because I had nursed my others till they were, you know, like a year plus. And um, so then you got the whole mom guilt thing going on. You know, I'm not the best mom and I'm not nursing her. And I, But Meredith gave her a bottle uh, most of the time. Mm. And there is just the sweetest bond between these, this big sister who's six and a half years older than, than Kayla. And like I say, they live down the street from each other now in this small town and they take each other's girls to, to dance and they watch each other's kids when, you know, and it's, it's just a sweet thing. So So what was meant for evil came out for good because Meredith's her other mother. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) Like God used, even though you were having a hard time and regret it, he, he used it for 
all of your good. Like it was still such an example of his love and how he can work things out. Isn't listening to Rhonda's story just so refreshing? She has such a way of just pulling you into her experience and, um, I hope that you'll come back next week and listen to the rest of our conversation where she talks about the conclusion of her journey with postpartum and um, her experience with what helped her. And uh, Rhonda has also been generous enough to offer all of my listeners a copy of her her ebook, a free copy of her ebook, A Christian Woman's Guide to Great Sex in Marriage. So all you need to do is go to her website, noregretswoman.com and subscribe to her newsletter and she will send you a free copy of that ebook. I also wanted to say to you that you have heard us talk a lot about Jesus and the Bible today. And if any of you are listening and don't know much about Jesus and his life and how he can save us, then please reach out to me. I, that is my number one passion in life. And I would love to talk to you more about that. So feel free to email me at Samantha at Samantha M Newman.com. And I would be happy to point you um, towards him and show you what his word says. Thank you so much for coming and listening along today. I'm looking forward to sharing the rest of our conversation next week. Thank you for listening to Postpartum Empowerment. This is Samantha Newman, and now go forth knowing that you are not alone.